Thank you for joining us today. The following is a message from North Place Church. Our hope is that it will inspire you, uplift you, and bring you closer to Christ. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, visit our website at northplacechurch.com slash watch. I begin a conversation with you today that I've been excited about having for some time. It's a conversation that is going to help us, equip us so that we can position our hearts to be more in tune to the voice of God. Today we're going to walk through some very introductory level information and in the coming weeks we're going to wade a lot deeper and get a lot more practical about these matters. Our conversation is basically going to revolve around the concept of voice recognition. Now, before we go any further, first and foremost, we need to be aware that God is actually still speaking today, and we're going to spend some time uh, verifying that and looking in the scripture about that in just a moment. But secondly, if he's still speaking, we need to learn how to recognize his voice when he speaks, and we need to make sure our hearts are in a position to say yes and obey. And to put this whole conversation in biblical terms, what we're trying to do is to learn how, and this is what your statement you find in the Bible, to incline our ears to the words of his mouth. If you read a traditional translation, the King James, the New King James, or the English Standard Version, New American Standard Bible, you're going to repetitively throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, hear this command, incline your ears to the words of his mouth. To recline literally means to pull away from something. You, you, you walk back from something. To incline means you lean into something. We don't use that word a whole lot in our vocabulary, but the prophets or uh, John the Revelator, Jesus through the John the Revelator in the book of Revelation, they are all telling us to incline, lean in, posture your life in such a way. Not necessarily for your ears, and we'll talk about this because very few of us are going to hear an audible word from God. What we're trying to do is incline our hearts to posture our spirits so that we can respond to the whisper, the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit. Look at a few places with me in the Bible where the Bible commands us to lean in. Isaiah 55, 3, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Now I'm going to ask them to hold that there for a moment because as I, my heart fell on that passage of scripture this weekend, I really believe that scripture is going to become a reality in somebody's life today. I believe there's somebody in this room this morning who is far from God. Maybe you've never known him or you've walked away from him. And today you're going to incline your ear. You're going to feel the nudge in your heart. The God of creation is going to begin to draw you to come to him into relationship with him. And his command to you is here that your soul may live. The inner being, your soul, your spirit, your inner man, the life Your life is connected to your response, to your ability to hear the voice of God. Incline your ear, he says, come to me, hear that your soul may live. Proverbs 4.20 says this, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart. Proverbs 22.17 says, Incline your ear, hear the words of the wise, 
and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant to you if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. Here's what will happen. That your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. I'm speaking to you, and the reason I command you to incline your ear to these words is because if you listen to what I say, the level of trust that you have in this relationship is going to grow. God is constantly speaking, using his voice, those nudges and whispers to give guidance, to direct our steps, to put words of encouragement in our heart for other believers, to convict us of our own compromise and sin. He uses his voice to express his love and grace to us. The question is, are we aware of the active voice of God in our life? And if we are, do we know how to respond when we hear him? Now, of any generation that has ever lived, our generation ought to be familiar with the dangers of voice recognition or the improper voice recognition. I can speak into this device, and you can too, and supposedly it has technology that recognizes my voice and translates it in a way that can send what I intend to be said to someone else. But more times than not, it doesn't adequately translate what I intended for it to translate. And if I get in a hurry and inadvertently hit send before I proof the message, you know what I'm talking about, you can get yourself into some trouble into some embarrassing situations. And there have been a whole lot of times I have looked at my phone and the message has already come up blue and I'm going, no, no, come back, come back. I didn't want to say that and had to send an apology later. I was on the funny end of one of those just the other day. One of our staff members was texting me in a course of just a few moments, cussed me out. (laughs) And I will leave that staff member unnamed, but I... um, I, it literally just cussed me out, and so I, I, I knew what had happened, but I didn't act like it. I went on a rant of condemnation um, and uh, guilt and, uh, and said I was going to file charges for conduct unbecoming of a minister uh, and went on all of this rant, and, and then, of course, they came back and said, stupid autocorrect and voice. And I'm like, sure, sure. Everybody tries to justify sin. That's what everybody tries to do. They try to justify sin. And, and, and when I finally did acknowledge, I realized that that was, that happens, happens to all of us. I said, however, I did take a screenshot of your little blunder so that I can use it in the future. If I ever need to use it against you. We out of anybody ought to know the dangers of improper voice recognition. And since God is speaking, when he does speak to us and it powerfully impacts our lives and all of those around us who are in relationship with us, we need to make sure that nothing is lost in translation. We need to make sure that the spiritual voice recognition feature in our own hearts is tuned in correctly to the voice of God. Now, we've intentionally used the word nudge as the one word description of this conversation we're going to be having over the next few weeks because it adequately describes the way God speaks to the most of us. I, for one, have never heard an audible voice from God. My eardrums have never reverberated with the audible sounds physically from the mouth of God. 
Uh, And most of the people that I know and trust, that is not the way they have heard from God either. You have heard me talk about the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Those are that soft, gentle, internal promptings that I've learned to pay attention to over the years, those gracious, gentle nudges that have directed and guided my life. When we use phrases like hearing the voice of God, the words hearing and the word voice can be misleading to a lot of people who didn't grow up or don't fully un- didn't grow up in church or don't fully understand what we're trying to communicate because in the most literal sense when you say hearing the voice of God you are communicating physical things that there is literally an auditory noise and that your ears are vibrating with the sounds of God's voice that's never happened to me Now, I'm in no way saying or suggesting that God can't speak to you thunderously or audibly. It just has never happened to me and nor has it happened to most of the people that I know and trust. So the word nudge seems to be an appropriate word to frame this conversation about what it feels like when the Spirit of God is speaking to us. Before we go any further, I want to address a few misconceptions. First, there are some people that believe the only way God ever speaks is through his written word. They don't make any room for any communication from God to you except for what you glean when reading the Bible. And if you disagree with them on that theological assumption, these folks will automatically assume that you don't value the scripture. That you are some sensational, sign-seeking lunatic who walks around living off of nudges and internal promptings and completely disregards the Scripture. Now, while that may describe some people, it doesn't describe North Place Church, and it doesn't describe what I'm trying to communicate in this series. We believe that the written word is preeminent. God is never going to whisper something to you or nudge you in a way that is in contradiction to his written word. We believe the word is preeminent. But we do believe that God can and does speak to our hearts in an ongoing way. He speaks to our hearts through the scripture. He speaks to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through the church. He speaks to us through the various circumstances in our lives and a host of other ways that we're going to look at more practically in the upcoming conversation in the next few weeks. Here's a second misconception. When you talk to most people about learning to hear the voice of God or recognizing the voice of God, they automatically assume that this really is a conversation about discerning the will of God. Because the only reason most people would ever want to know the voice of God is so they can discern the will of God. I mean, I need to know his voice because I need to get married and and, and I'm in love with this person and I need to figure out if this is who I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with or I've got two job offerings and I need to figure out which one is the perfect plan of my life and God, uh, I've got, where do I go to college? How do I invest these resources? And so the motive for most people to hear the voice of God or want to learn how to hear the voice of God is because they want to get something from God. Far too many want to hear the voice of God to get something from God. Too few people want to hear the voice of God to get God. And so I want to divide the conversation. This is not a conversation about learning the will of God, finding out what God's will is for your life. I understand completely how these two conversations overlap. And the more you can discern the voice of God in your life, 
the more you can clearly understand the will of God. I get that. I know how they overlap. But I want us to step back and the only motive or objective in this moment for learning how to hear the voice of God is to have a deeper relationship and more intimacy with God. This is a bigger conversation than just trying to discern the will of God. So let me reframe the remainder of our conversation today around five key words, foundation, motivation, expectation, clarification, and application. First, let's lay a theological foundation. And this is where it all has to start. Our God is a speaking God. History and scripture proves that God is in constant communication with his people. History proves that the God, the Christian God, does not sit back and idly watch and is is uninvolved in the lives of his children. He is actively involved in our lives throughout history, walking with us, talking with us, in relationship with us. You don't have to, you just go to the beginning to see that. All the way back in the creation account, if you look in Genesis 1, eight times in Genesis 1, the creation story says, and God said, and God said, and God said. Eight times. Everything that was created in the created order was created by the power and the authority of his spoken word. Let there be light, there was light. Let there be this, let there be that. It was all created by the power of his spoken word until he came to Adam. Humanity is the only thing in the created order God actually touched. He put his fingerprints on the human race and breathed the breath of life into Adam and Eve. The rest of creation was created by the power and the authority of his spoken word. So all of the created order is here because of the authority of what God says. So it all started with his desire to speak and communicate Now that he has a people, he wants an ongoing relationship with the people. So you look beyond creation from Moses to Malachi, the way that God spoke to his people was through the prophets. And God was so passionate about communicating with his people, he picked very frail and unworthy vessels on occasion to let those men be his mouthpieces so there would be a two-way communication. His people praying and pleading with him and him communicating back to them, sometimes expressing love, sometimes rebuking. But he was so passionate about speaking to them that he was willing to use frail vessels as a mouthpiece in order to have a conversation with his people. Listen to 2 Peter. The apostle Peter writes, chapter 1, verse 20, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now you move beyond the prophets. You flip over from Malachi, you get into the New Testament, and you see this amazing story. This passion of God wanting to have a relationship and communicate his word to his people so powerfully that he takes his word and embodies it in a being and wraps that being in the flesh of humanity and puts that word in the womb of a virgin girl, and she gives birth, and the Son of God is born so the word would have a personality, so the word would would have feelings so that you and I could have a relationship with the word of God. He was so passionate about his word being revealed to us as a people. Jesus Christ became the embodiment.
embodiment of the living Word of God. John 1 says this in verse 4, the Word, and there is a capital W there because it's a reference to Jesus, gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. Skip 10 verses down, John 1, 14, so the Word became human and made His home among us. I simply want you to understand from creation to the prophets to Jesus, God is a communicating God, a speaking God who uses communication with us to be in relationship with us. And a significant part of our relationship with him is not only our ability to pray to him, to talk to him, it is our ability to be still long enough to listen to what God is saying to us. Hebrews 1, the writer of Hebrews sums all this up when he says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. Listen to this. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The whole universe is not simply held together by gravity and gravitational pull. The universe is held together by the creative power of the word of God. There is authority in his word. When Jesus went away, he sent the Holy Spirit, and now the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in the heart of every Christ follower that is devoted to Jesus Christ, that is called upon him as the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is actively at work on the inside of us, revealing the will of God to us, speaking to us, communicating to us. That is what post-resurrection Christianity looks like. When you look at the book of Acts, you see a window into the soul of what post-resurrection Christianity is supposed to look like. And there's a whole lot of supernatural interaction between God and his people, and that is a pattern for New Testament Christian life. That's a theological, a brief theological foundation. But here's number two, examine your motivation. I think it's important. I hinted to it a moment ago, but I think it's important we stop for a moment on that concept. What is your motive for wanting to hear the voice of God. Our motives are a big issue. Far too many people want to hear from God for some specific reason. And many times those are selfish reasons or even sinful reasons. And the only pure motivation to want to position yourself, to incline your ears to the words of his mouth is to receive greater relationship and deeper intimacy. Because that's the only motivation from God for speaking to you. It's because he spoke to you the first time to draw you into relationship with him so you would call upon him as Lord, and he pursued you with his voice. Now he wants to sustain that relationship and come come along with deeper intimacy and deeper fellowship with his voice. He guards and guides with a gentle nudge of his voice. He loves and corrects with a gentle nudge of his voice. He gives supernatural insight with his voice simply because relationship is his goal. And two-way communication is necessary to any relationship. I said it again, and I want you to see it and hear it. Too many people want to hear God's voice because they want to know God's will, or they want to know something else. But too few want to hear God's voice because they want to know God. Check your motivation. Why does this topic intrigue you? We started talking about learning how to hear the voice of God, and and maybe there were some things that went off on the inside. Oh, I want to do that. Why? 
Did you want to learn how to hear the voice of God because you need an edge? Did you want to learn how to hear the voice of God because you're looking for a sixth sense? You need to get ahead in life? The only pure motivation for wanting to know the voice of God is relationship. And if your motivation is anything else, then your attempt to hear the voice of God is nothing more than manipulation. And you may not call it this, but if your motivation is anything other than relationship, then what you may be longing for is nothing more than some supernatural psychic ability that gives you insight that other people do not have. If your objective is to hear the voice of God, to get something else besides God, you may hear from some spirit, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. His only motivation for speaking to us is to have, pursue, and sustain relationship. Hearing the voice of God is not some Christian way to practice psychic powers. That's not at all the objective. Eugene Peterson said this, Christian spirituality, the contemplative life, is not about us. It is about God. The great weakness of American spirituality is that it is all about us. Fulfilling our potential, getting the the blessings of God, expanding our influence, finding our gifts, getting a handle on the principles by which we can get an edge over the competition. The more there is of us, the less there is of God. Examine your motivation. Why do you want to hear the voice of God? That's important early on. Foundation, motivation. Number three, what's your expectation? Some of us come from theological traditions that have totally destroyed any expectation on a personal level that we would ever hear the voice of God or we would ever sense any kind of nudge or whisper or internal prompting. Your theological framework has blinded you to a part of what it means to walk with God and have a relationship with him. He wants to communicate with you. And there are some of us in this room that have never felt the nudge, so we've never practiced listening and acting on the voice of God, which has caused us to assume that God is not, he's still, he's not speaking today. That's an example of something called selective perception. Now, selective perception is a lot like selective hearing. And there are a lot of men in this room, including myself, that have selective hearing. For example... I don't know how I do this, but I can be watching a football game, immersed in the game, and Haley be talking to me about something that really matters, and I'll be carrying on a legitimate conversation with her that I don't ever remember having. I agree to do things, and I say yes to things, and and I'm having some sensible conversation with her about whatever she's asking that I don't even know I'm having because I'm glued into this game. And then when the kids don't get picked up, she said, I told you that for the life of me, I didn't remember telling her that I was going to have that Go get the kids. I don't even remember having the conversation, but my mouth was moving in response to what she was asking. And then because now I'm watching a football game, she assumes I don't pay attention when I'm watching a football game. So she says something behind my back. She doesn't expect me to hear. And I turn around and I say, I heard that. And she's like, how do you hear that? But you can't pay attention to a conversation that we're having. It's selective hearing. A lot of us have that. Selective perception is much very similar to selective hearing. With selective perception, you find what you're looking for. If you're looking for nothing, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for something, you'll ultimately find it. Let me, let me explain. Put it in terms like this. There are some of us that have gone out and bought cars, 
And we made sure we picked out a car that nobody in our family had that car or that color. Nobody in our neighborhood, nobody at work. We didn't see that car anywhere on the road. But we buy that car, and before we get back to our driveway, we pass 15 on George Bush Tollway. There are six in our neighborhood, and come to find out, five people at the church parking lot have the exact same car, the exact same color that we do. Those cars have been there the whole time. You just have not selectively perceived them. And now because you have bought them and your eye is trained to look for them, the things that were always there that you never saw all of a sudden began to surface. So selective perception can blind you to the possibility that God is speaking if you have a theological framework that tells you God is never, doesn't speak anymore or if your personal experience has been blinded because you've never felt the nudge or heard the voice of God, you automatically assume selectively that God must not speak anymore. But there are those of us that have a theological underpinning that believe that God is a speaking God and communicates to us in various ways through a scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through the church, through circumstances. He speaks to us today in an ongoing way. And because we look for those, we seem to find them and perceive them because our hearts have been inclined to the words of his mouth. What you believe determines your actions. If you don't believe God speaks, you'll never feel the nudge. All of us are products of our theological upbringing, and far too many of us were told that God only speaks on Sunday, or God only speaks to the priest or the pastor, or he only speaks in the King James. Thou is God, are thee, and thou, and though, and... God doesn't speak King James. Or maybe we were told that God doesn't speak at all, at least not in this season of history. When you get in the Word and realize the depth of the theology behind what I'm sharing with you today, and when you see that the Father has a passion to communicate with you just like He did His people through the prophets in the Old Testament, the whole reason He sent Jesus to embody the Word and Jesus sent the Spirit to walk in relationship with us is because the Father has a passion to be in relationship with you, and He wants in communication with you. And if we'll be still long enough to listen, we will find what we are looking for. Your preconceived expectations are key in this conversation either one way or the other foundation motivation expectation and now a word of clarification I said this a moment ago but it's so important that you don't take what I'm saying out of context I'm going to say it again the written word the bible is preeminent above it all listen to me God is never going to speak anything that is contradictory to his word. And here, if God never whispered another word to you, if you never received another nudge, his word is already enough. The scripture is our life's roadmap. And there are so many things that are already clearly stated in Scripture. They need no deliberation. You don't have to process them. You don't have to pray through them. They're in God's Word. God said it. It's written in His Word. And that settles it. It's a done deal. I read on a bumper sticker a while back. Bumper sticker somebody said. I was back on their car and it said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I wanted to print out another bumper sticker and stick it on the other side of their car and said, God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. God's word has authority. His written word is the final authority. 
You will never hear God saying something to you that is going to contradict what he's already written in his word. And it amuses me when people use this very real truth that God does communicate to his people as a selfish and sinful play to rationalize their own sin. Because people do this all the time. That's the reason some people are theologically opposed to any chance that God might whisper something to you or nudge something to you is because the fear is people are going to take that as an excess and they're going to use that to rationalize a life that Scripture doesn't approve or rationalize certain things that are not written in the Word. So you just need to understand everything you think you feel that may be a nudge or a whisper of the Holy Spirit, it has to be in alignment with the written Word. Now, I've been in ministry 25 years and you'd be some shocked at some things that have been said to me across the table. And I pulled out two of them this morning that I just thought I would share with you. I've had people look across the table into my eye. And I had a lady look at me one day and say that God told me, she said, God told me to leave my husband for this other man. No, he didn't. You may have heard a spirit, but it wasn't holy. You're listening to something. God is never going to tell you something when he's already said in his book That marriage is a covenant between him and God till death do his part. And you got in front of everybody and you acknowledged that covenant and said yes until it became inconvenient. And then all of a sudden you got spiritual. And God told you to chase somebody else. Well, God didn't do that. He doesn't nudge you or whisper to you or talk to you or ever tell you to do something that is in contradiction to his written word. I had a a gentleman one time years ago that got kind of in a cross with the IRS and they had done an audit and there was some question on his taxes and come to find out he said to me in a meeting well pastor you know what I really wanted to do was be able to give more to the church and I was angry the government was dipping too much into my resources and I I just really felt in my heart when I prayed about it that that God wasn't he was okay with me not giving this much to taxes so I could give more to the church I said oh So he told all the rest of us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. But he gave you a little word that undid that just for you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't give a written word that is his authority of faith and practice. And then going to give you a unique word just for you so you can live another whole life different from everybody else. He's not going to whisper something to you that is in contradiction to his written word. His written word is the final authority. So what do I do? When I wonder, I think maybe God is speaking to me and we need to process this much more deeply when we have time. But what do you do when you think God may be speaking to you and you're not sure? There are three filters that I walk through in my life. Obviously, the first is the written word. How does what I feel, I think God may be saying to me, how does it align with his word? The second is the church. Okay, the church. Find mature believers, saints that you know are true, and run what you believe God may be saying by the practice of the church, by some mature believers, and see if it's in alignment with what is in their hearts by their practice of the Christian faith. And then tradition, Christian tradition. Look at the last 2,000 years of the Christian faith, and if what God is saying to you is in opposition to the last 2,000 years of Orthodox Christianity, there's probably some reality that this may not be from God. The written word, the church, and 2,000 years of Christian tradition. And let me give you another, another little clarification here before we close. We have a lot of these in Dallas. I, I call them message-a-minute Christians. They do believe that God speaks, 
And they are so dependent on hearing from God that they have to have their whole life directed by what God says every day. I mean, they have to have a message a minute, and if they don't hear some nudge or whisper from God, they don't even know what to do. I mean, they're not, I'm not talking about major life decisions. I'm talking about what we're going to eat for lunch. I mean, we got friends. Haley and I have friends. You're going down the road with them, and somebody says, I'm hungry, and they say, well, let's just hold hands and pray and see where God wants us to go for lunch. Like, I just want a hamburger, you know? I don't think God cares. I don't, I don't think he cares. You know, I mean, these are message a minute people that they feel paralyzed. Oh, I don't know what to do. Look, the Bible is your life's roadmap, but God is not going to download a daily itinerary for you. Okay. You have the written word and the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you. And if he never said another word to you, you have enough. I'm not making light of the fact that God does. I have had moments in my life. I'm driving down the road and didn't intend to pull over there. But out of the ordinary, I felt this nudge to pull off into this convenience store and sit there and say, God, what am I doing here? And then I wind up in a conversation with somebody that allows me eventually to lead them to faith. And I realize God has ordered my steps, interrupted my agenda because of his love for that person. Those things happen. And I am open to those things. But I don't drive down the road and pray which gas station I ought to go to. I go to the one that's the cheapest. Okay. You don't have to be a message a minute Christian, okay? You just need to be aware and open that in this ongoing relationship, there are moments where there's a supernatural opportunity for God to say, hey, just hold on a minute here. But it's not going to be a message a minute. The last thing is application, and I want to leave you with John 10, verse 26. Jesus sums up this for us. He says, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Guys, I'm going to ask you to leave verse 27 up there for a moment. I just leave it there till we conclude today. Um, I want the conversation here. Jesus is talking to people who understand shepherding. They they get it. This is a this is a culture of shepherds and sheep, and he's saying to a group of religious people, "You don't get what I'm saying. <laughs> you're not you're not you're not my people. You don't belong." But he said, "My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them." and they follow me. I just, I just want you to know what's housed in that one little phrase right there. My sheep communicates a relationship. That's the whole goal. My sheep. What do they do next? Listen to my voice. That's the result. When you belong to him in relationship, you're going to be able to hear his voice. The third thing is a result. I know them because they are my sheep and they listen to my voice, there is intimacy in this relationship. That's the foundation. That's the goal. That's the objective. And the result is this, or the response is this. They follow me. It's a relationship, a result, a reason, and the ultimate response. The only reason God would ever talk to anybody is because he wants them to follow him. He pursues us with his voice, and in our relationship with him, he sustains us with this whisper, this nudge, this voice. I said a moment ago, I felt a nudge while I was preparing for this weekend's message that Isaiah 55, 3 was going to be happening to somebody in this room today. Incline your ear, the prophet said, and come to me. Hear that your soul may 
live. Somebody in this room today that is away from God, or maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus, is going to feel what I felt 25 years ago sitting in a service just like this. I stumbled into it drunk. I was a teenage alcoholic, and I felt the supernatural tug. I knew something beyond that preacher was dealing with my heart. I heard the voice of God. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what it was, but there was a draw into relationship with the creator of the universe. I responded that day to that voice, and the last 25 years of my life have been a completely different trajectory had they been had I not said yes and inclined my ear that day to the words of his mouth. And I believe with all of my heart today that if you will incline your ear to what he says, come to him here, it will be life to your soul. Somebody is going to feel in this room, is feeling right now what I felt 25 years ago because God is so passionate about being in relationship with you. He's whispering to your spirit right now, come to me. He's pursuing you like he pursued the people in the Old Testament through the prophets. He's pursuing you through the gracious voice, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And in a moment, our prayer team is going to gather around this room and we're going to pray for a whole lot of things people that have needs for jobs and miracles and whatever else in their lives, we're going we're gonna to agree with them and pray. But there are some of you in this room today that are, I'm just asking you to be honest. And if you feel that nudge in your heart, you don't even know what to do next. Come to the front of this building when everybody else comes for different kinds of prayer and say to one of these prayer team members, I sense what pastor's talking about. I think God is pulling me into relationship. He's drawing me. He's pursuing me. I sense that. Will you pray with me? We will. But you got to incline your ear to the words of his mouth. Listen, is God, I don't care if you're 15 or 95, he wants you and his voice, his spirit is pursuing you. I want you to stand with me all over this place if you will. And I'm going to ask the prayer team if they would come and make themselves available today to serve a host of different needs We ask our prayer team, they get together and pray before every service they come in here and ask them to be open. That when they pray, don't pray some learned prayer, but let the Holy Spirit speak to them to pray prophetically, to pray in alignment with the Spirit of God over the needs of your life because the Spirit of God can speak to them to know how to pray, to offer encouragement to you. And I believe that's going to be at work here. So if you need prayer for your family, you need prayer for finances, health, whatever, I can tell you, while that is an honor, one of the greatest honors we ever get to do at this service, at the end of the service like this, is when somebody says, I really do believe God's pursuing me for relationship, and I don't know what to do next. That's, that's the greatest joy of our lives. Let us pray with you about that. Because that's the greatest response. My sheep Listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That's what he's after. He wants you to know the joy of worshiping him. So, Lord, I pray today that you would rest upon this room and you would allow men and women in this place today to have life change. 
I've sensed for a few days now that Isaiah 55, 3 was to be lived out in somebody's heart that they would sense you through the Spirit saying, come, that they may have life. Will you help them find that today? Let these altars be a place of the miraculous that bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. Would you go with these people from this place today? And may they still themselves and hear your voice. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine down upon them. Be gracious to them. Turn your countenance their direction, Lord, and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at North Place and on Facebook at facebook.com slash North Place Church. To watch the video of this message, go to northplacechurch.com slash watch.